Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank Okay, Mike rolling you don't really roll a mic, do you? <laughs> There's no tape for it to roll. There's no tape for modern cameras either, so it's kind of stupid they say that. That's a legacy thing. Who cares? A microphone can't roll. Humanity is dead. Brexit hasn't happened. Uh, Hanks back to episode 8, take 19. Woo! <laughs> oh, I might just keep that all in, who knows. Um... Hello and welcome to Hanks Spank, uh, the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks's entire IMDb. Uh, with me, as always, is my intrepid co-host Al. How are you, Al? I'm good today, Jamie. How are you? It's weird because <laughs> it seems like we were just recording yesterday, but we weren't. No. Also, I don't know why we're acting like we haven't hung out every day for the past three days. Oh no, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm I'm actually quite sad, Al, to be honest. Um, yeah. Not not to continue uh, a running trend of me being a massive football fan. But I have watched my beloved Arsenal lose three times this week. Um, I have just come from watching them lose, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and and some and I watched every single minute of of, of all of those games. And some might say that um, I'm a sadomasochist for that. And then I come and do this podcast, and I think, yeah, they might be right. <laughs> Entirely possible, Jamie. The, the real question is, and I, uh, as fans may know. Uh, care very little about football mm-hmm. but how's Liverpool doing uh, Well, and will they win? I haven't checked uh, the Man City score Man City are currently playing if they win they go back over uh, Liverpool um, it's been a very tight race between them uh, if Man City win the rest of their games they win if Liverpool uh, and Liverpool don't they will be the most ever points to ever not win the league oh, it's going to be great so fun Um but having uh, time-stamped ourselves a little bit there, this is actually a monumental episode, as this is the closest we are ever recording to release of the episode. We are recording this Sunday. Yeah. It is coming out in two days. Uh-huh. So we can be as topical as oh, we like. What's... Mo Farah came fifth in the London Marathon today. Ooh! Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. realise that um, the guy who The guy who won got the second fastest ever marathon. That's impressive. Because yep. you may remember that uh, back in the last episode we talked about how we were going to be recording like three episodes yeah. in the space of two days yeah. and uh, instead uh, the night before we meant to record the second one I get a text from Jamie being like I'm going to be hungover tomorrow can we please not do this <laughs> so instead I we're don't recording think that was three the... episodes this week yes. instead yes I don't think those are my exact words but uh, uh, somewhere along close, the lines close of to. not going to happen yeah De- definitely closer to not going to happen but so it has now been two weeks since we recorded you sure. went away to America sure. we've had we've had um, a refresher in the meantime uh, we were meant to Get a Brexit, didn't happen. Didn't, yeah, Brexit didn't happen. Um, nice topical references. Yeah, the writers, Not much is happening in politics. The, the Writers Guild of America fired all their agents. Yeah, so, that was uh, great. Agents, if you're looking for a writer, <laughs> I'll, I'll give I'll you write, my email. We're Hit happy to be scabs. I am fine for being a scab. Don't worry, um, I have no respect. But given we haven't recorded in, uh, in two weeks, I do actually sure. have a letter uh, it, it's become a common theme on this, uh, yes. the, the theme of apology letters, and I, and I have one for this week. Um, so I'd, I'd pray silence before we start. Sure. Um, Dear Al, I would like to apologise. 
I would like to apologise deeply both to you and to our audience. I would like to apologise in a letter that I have actually written myself, and not in one that you have written for me and then forced me to read out, or one written from you and then also forced me to read out. (laughs) So in my own words, I am sorry. Our last three episodes have been fraught with conflict. Now, you have been the sole reason for that conflict in your... Please, pray silence for the letter. Um, The sole reason for that conflict in your actions, your words and behaviour, and even at points, your deliberate attempts to create conflict. However, I am still sorry. Also, I still think it created some of the best comedy and arguably our most entertaining moments. However, I am still sorry. I am sorry, as I may have been too irate, And while I feel it was quite clear that I was heightening emotions for comedic effect, something I both do on the podcast and in real life, a real life in which you have known me and experienced me heightening emotions for a comedic effect for four years. But despite that, it has resulted in both of our last records ending and then you immediately going, wait, you weren't actually angry with me, were you? Actions which resulted in you saying on our previous episode, so should this be our last episode? And I'm still not 100% whether you were joking or not. So for that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you misinterpreted my comedic genius as anything other than pure hilarity. And so I would like to make a pledge. A sincere and honest pledge, despite the clear sarcastic undertones of this letter. A pledge to make this our friendliest episode yet. I will endeavour to not scream at you, as you will endeavour to not act in a way that results in me screaming at you. We must both accept our responsibilities for your actions. But also, genuinely, you are fun and funny, and I enjoy doing this podcast with you, you tit. Please do not joke about ending the podcast again, for it will make me sad. (laughs) Sincerest regards, Signor James Peter Loxton Jones III. That was a, a really nice way to start our final episode ever. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate that. What did the letter say, Al? Uh, to review your apology, mm-hmm. um, you know, normally when I apologise, I go for the sincere apologies. I, I appreciate that you've gone for the, uh, the sorry, not sorry approach <laughs> of if I've done anything wrong, but I haven't, but if I did, sorry. <laughs> so uh, you are forgiven, not forgiven. Um, cool. I, I, but it was a sincere and honest pledge to make this now <laughs> friendliest episode yet. Uh, oh, good. There will be no conflict this there episode. There will be no conflicts. Uh, as long as it not, it's all, not brought on by you. All humour shall come from uh, situational uh, <laughs> observances. You know, how about them Arsenals? Um, <laughs> Some more football banter, of course, and uh, maybe some wiry political commentary. Yeah. Uh, we're both Which concerned. definitely won't cause any conflict. <laughs> uh, but oh. with that out of the way, we should probably uh, get on to what we're talking about this week, which sure. is Splash. Uh, and this is a big episode. Was that your Splash sound effect? That w- I'd say that was more a plop. You, you're not good at you don't go don't go into foliage um but it is a, a big episode firstly because as i think i mentioned in our last episode uh-huh. after this tom hanks basically stars in everything he's in yeah, and yeah. anything he doesn't star in it's like because he's already tom hanks and he's doing a cameo because he's tom hanks sure so this arguably launches his career as yeah, yeah. a leading actor so 
and you've been building up to this for a while because every time we sort of mentioned that the things we're hoping... reviewing, yeah, every time we mentioned the things we've been reviewing have been bad, you've said, "Oh no, I've heard Splash is good." Yeah. So fingers crossed for this episode. It is quite a big episode. So we're reviewing uh, Splash, which is from 1984. Uh-huh. Uh, we've obviously got our historical context and our show context as always. Uh, this week, I've been given the task of uh, historical context. And I'm bringing historical context back to its roots. I'm doing just some some classic, you know, stupid, non-relevant things that have happened around the same time that this happened. So the last thing that came, uh, the last thing we reviewed, uh, Family Ties, came out at the beginning of 1984. Yes, and we can remember that because that was the time when that Nazi war criminal was caught. Yes, in... yes, yes. Our classic, yeah, our yeah. classic yes. historical context. You got that nice from... piece of historical nugget there. Yeah. That yeah. right in the mind. So between that. Um, you know, Nazi war criminal being killed, and and now, which is uh, June twenty ninth, nineteen eighty four, which wow. is actually my birthday. Aww. Fun fact: so it was my minus. How old are you? <laughs> Okay, June 29th is not it's my birthday, not 1984. Yeah, sorry. It's my, it's my minus 9th birthday. Okay. Um, that sounds like a really nice birthday. Yeah, so we're going to be reviewing what happens between January and June in 1984. Um, back to our classic fun fact roots, none of them relevant at all. No. Uh, astronauts Bruce McCandless II and Robert L. Stewart make the first untethered spacewalk. How'd they get back? swam through space I don't know you go the other way I'll be honest I have no clue how untethered space forks work I assume they have like little little jetpacks sort of things Um, um, Ted as in Ted Talks was founded in early 1984 uh, along with the first ever Apple Macintosh personal computer going on sale uh, for an exorbitant price which I can't remember what it was because I didn't write it down but uh, they they started as they meant to go on they were very overpriced when they started uh, but they were met to quite solid reviews yes Uh, in back into political news, uh, Pierre Trudeau announced his retirement as Canadian Prime Minister. Now, I didn't know this. He is obviously the father of the lovable Justin Trudeau. Yeah. I didn't know that Justin Trudeau's father was also Canadian Prime Minister. Yeah. Legacy politics is bad! He's also a much less... He's a much worse politician uh, than Pierre Trudeau. Pierre Trudeau is kind of like one of the central uh, political figures of Canada. And uh, not necessarily universally loved, but but like his impact is unquestionable. And Justin Trudeau' impact is very questionable. Um, oh, come on, he 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 yes, held the LGBT flag once. Yeah, he's, and really good for going out there and saying, "Hey, I like this stuff." Less good for why are we commenting on Canadian <laughs> politics? I date a Canadian, which is why I know some of these things. That's what I going to say. Um, the Winter Olympics happened in Sarajevo, Yugoslavia. That country no really? longer exists. Yeah, Isn't that's... that fun? Um, at which there was one gold written, won by Great Britain. Could you name who won that gold? In 1984 Winter Olympics. Okay, I'm going to give a, a guess. Yeah. I think it's the wrong answer, but is it Eddie D. Edwards? No, I'm fairly sure he didn't okay. ever won a gold. Second guess, the team from... Uh, oh, no, I know this. Yeah, I know, this. Yeah, I know, this. I know you do. Uh, it's it's, it's the Bob Say team from Cool Runnings. Nope. Nope. No, no, no. <laughs> One British. It was Torval and Dean. Torval and Dean. The ice skaters. You've is never heard of Torval and Dean. Film? Have you never is watched... Is there a Disney film about them and John Candy? 
No, uh, there isn't. But there is team one of the most successful TV shows of the last ten years. The celebrities on Ice or whatever. That is it's not called. one of the most successful TV okay, shows of the last ten years. It's pretty bloody successful, and Torval and Dean are on it a lot. You I should mean, be ashamed that you don't know who Torval and Dean are. Anyway, they're, um, oh, they're the um, when you go to the cinema and before when they had the adverts and they're like, da da and then it's like Torval and Dean. Okay, I don't. Are you making a joke? I can't work out the joke you're making. No. What are you? Okay. What no, are you, you going to for? cinema? Yeah. No. 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 I got the. Da, 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 yeah, da. Yeah. But no, Torval and Dean yes. are ice skaters. I'm fairly sure they have nothing to do. So with So do they cinema. like? Were they like relay? No, they did like the dancey ice skating. How do you not know this? They are very famous. Huh. Okay, no, this is the most friendly episode. I'm not going to yeah. press into that. Huh. Um, huh. Uh, staying in the world of politics, the UK miners' strike started in, the, in this year, continuing for a year and or oh, ruining probably the Tory reputation in the North for probably arguably up until this day. Um, yeah. uh, another fun fact: uh, Marvin Gaye died uh, early in the first half. Yeah, we need to did. work on your did definition you... of a fun friendly yeah, no, fact. No, no. Oh, oh, it gets funner. Did you know how he died? What? He was shot by his own dad. I know you can't. You guys can't see Al's face right now, but it is accurate. I don't want to get it on. I know. <laughs> That's really sad. Oh, I think it'd be uh, moving day. back into the world of entertainment. Uh, Terms of Endearment won uh, the Best Picture at the Oscars this year. Um, remaining in the world. Oh, you were about Fun to say something. fact about Terms of Endearment. Yeah. Uh, we watched The Shining together recently, mm-hmm. uh, and I did not know. Uh, that Jack Nicholson is the most Oscar-nominated male actor of all time. Yep. Yeah. I had no idea about that because yeah. he's not been in a film in ten, uh, nine years. Yeah. So. No, no, no. He's, he was very decorated in his early career. Um, remaining in the world of entertainment, but moving back towards death, yep. um, Tommy Cooper died famously on live TV. Do you know about Tommy Cooper's death? Do you know who Tommy Cooper is? No, is that that guy? No, you think of Benny Hill? Yeah. No, Tommy Cooper is the guy that... Yeah, Tommy Cooper's the guy that would wear the red face. Yep, he was a famous comedian, and he died on live TV, and people assumed it was part of his act for a solid, like, five minutes. It's a very famous death. Very fun fact. You know, I get a lot of stick <laughs> for being like, let's talk about how bad history is. But I don't put a fun oh. shine on it. I'm not like, these are fun facts, okay? Look, I've had anything is de- fun. I've had two celebrity deaths so far. One was shot by their dad and one dies on stage and people laugh at their death. That is the immediate reaction to that. Yep. Um, but, you know, if, if, if you just say it in a fun voice, anything can be fun, Al. History now, we're moving, into, uh, we're moving into a monumental section sure. of yeah. historical context. Yeah. I think this is going to change historical uh-huh. context forever. So what I'm moving so. on to is the musical section. And you won't experience this, but what I'm going to do in the editing is every time I mention a song, yeah. I'm going to play it underneath us. We're, stop thinking we're going to get done by copyright, Al. Just, we're not making any money. What are they going to do? to us so I'm going to play little little clips of songs underneath as I mention them it'll be a fun auditory experience for our audience for you you're just going to have to imagine you're hearing it um, so in the first half of this year Bruce Springsteen releases his seventh album Born in the USA classic song can How you hear I, it now I, I sing it 
No, you could. No, no, you don't. No, please stop because then I'm going to have to time it up with what you're. Oh, this is. You're making this way more. Okay, well, I can do this next one because you're not going to be able to sing this one because you'll never have heard of it. Um, Sweden wins Eurovision this year with Diggy Loo Diggy Lay. Now, you can hear you can hear it playing out. Oh, it's fun. Stop it. Please. You're actually ruining something I'm really looking forward to doing. I hate you. This is supposed to be our friendly episode, Al. Um, Footloose, both the movie and the, uh, of course, iconic song is released in April of this year. Um, <laughs> you can't see this, but Al is dancing to Footloose right now, as I assume all listeners of the podcast are. They're listening, <laughs> dancing in their cars. Um, in movies, both Gremlins and Ghostbusters is released in the same month as this film. Ghost, but all released in June 1984. Obviously, I'm playing the Ghostbusters. Okay. Ghost, yeah, Ghostbusters theme song is going to be playing right now. It's going to be fun for... What? what? <laughs> Do you just know some words from yeah, the Ghostbusters? Yeah, yeah. You don't know the I'll, song. I'll you just know it slowly. <laughs> um, so a bit a big month for film, uh, obviously sure. uh, in June 1984. Uh-huh. Uh, and final one: the day after this film is released, so June 30th, 1984, Elton John plays his famous night and day concert at Wembley Stadium. Don't know which Elton John song I'm going to be playing. It's probably going to be Rocket Man. Why? Why like was it Rocket famous? Man. Oh, because it was just like huge. Like he played. It was like because he was one of the first people to play at something as oh. large as Wembley Stadium. It was broadcast live, etc., etc. It was like iconic. He looks great. I saw little clips of it when I was uh, researching this. Yes. And Rocket Man is probably playing right now because it's my favourite Elton John song. And it's also relatively uh, topical because we've got the Elton John biopic coming up soon. So, so this Elton John biopic, I'm really yep. looking forward to. Oh no, same. Two reasons. One, uh, Sunshine and Leaf, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great film uh, if you're from Edinburgh, so you can uh, start shouting "I've been there" every time they show you somewhere you've been, which is what I do when I see that film. Uh, and two, I, so I rogue r- r- rogue take. I didn't really like Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, but I don't obviously think that's that rogue. No, no, but um, the film starts off being directed by Brian Singer, who got thrown off because he wasn't showing up on set, and gets finished by Dexter Fletcher who's directing Rocketman. But obviously, this looks a lot more interesting. So I'm, I'm interested to see his take on a film which he gets to do from start to finish. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but that is the end of my historical context. Uh-huh. So now everyone knows every, absolutely everything relevant that could sure, have happened sure. between the early of 1984 yeah. and June 29th, 1984, when Splash is released. What information can you give me? So I'm about gonna, Splash. I'm going to keep this, you know, short and sweet. I want you to imagine... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep this. I haven't done any research and I'm getting as much as you're possible. imagine you're in a car and you're driving down the Pacific Coast Highway in mm-hmm. the States. You know, it's a convertible. You've got your best Galway aside. You're driving the roof down. It's great. You look out to the sea and you think, wow, that ocean's so cool, man. And you think, what would happen if I fell in love with a mermaid? And that was how this film came about. The guy uh, who came up with the idea tried to pitch it for about seven years didn't really do anything for seven years uh, until he realised that his kind of script or the the idea he was pitching was sort of more based on the mermaid side of things and he was getting a lot of no's so he kind of turned that around said okay we'll actually focus on the guy who falls in love with the mermaid it's actually about finding the person you're meant to love you actually love rather than like people you're supposed to love or whatever Um, which I guess sort of keeps it into this Um, a connection with something you mentioned in historical context Uh, Ron Howard obviously turned down a lot of films to do this this yep. I believe was his directorial debut mm-hmm. um, and he turned down Mr. Mom which if you haven't seen great film uh, it is not a great film it's a weird film and Footloose 
uh, which I didn't really realise he had been uh, offered beforehand. Um, Tom Hanks, sorry, not Tom Hanks, Ron Howard, obviously, beforehand, would be in Happy Days, was in Happy Days for the first few seasons, uh, which Tom Hanks would have a guest role on. Yep. Uh, but he'd be not on the show by that time. He'd also go on to direct Tom Hanks in a lot of other stuff, uh, including, I believe, Apollo 13 and the Da Vinci Code films. So, obviously, there's a connection there. Um, a lot of people got off the role but turned it down um, early on. Not really surprising. Mm, it seems like a weird film. Um, so I can understand why they turn it down. I know that Michael Keaton was offered the role mm-hmm. of the brother originally. Yep. Um, Which ends up being John Candy. John Candy. Although John Candy originally wanted the role played by Eugene Levy. Uh, uh-huh. Until Ron Howard kind of... Levy? Levy. Levi? Levy? Leviticus. Yes. <laughs> Eugene, Eugene Leviticus. Leviticus. Um, right. And once he got cast in the kind of other role, he said, oh, you should take a look at my old castmate because I think they've been on a Canadian kind of sketch comedy show together. Um, and that's how Eugene uh, Levi Levi Leviticus got Leviticus, the part. Yeah. Um, outside of that, the film did get when it got picked up. It got picked up by Touchstone Pictures, mm-hmm. which was uh, sort of Disney's adult film arm. Not in terms of Disney were making porn, but more <laughs> in the sense of Disney were interested in making films for a more adult audience. That's yep. kind of tended to happen in the eighties. Yep. Um, obviously, that went really well. It cost eight million, which to think about nowadays is insane. Um, a film like this was made nowadays would have a lot more CGI oh, and yeah. would probably cost about uh, 30 to 50 million, I guess. Yeah. And ended up making about 60 million back. Yeah, th- it was quite a successful film. Yeah, well, that's crazy for me, though, right? Because nowadays, if you had a film which made 60 million, if it's an indie project, sure, that's great. Anything else, people yeah, probably wouldn't be super you know, happy about. Inflation it. and whatever, and yeah, just I like guess. Co- and cost of, and literally yeah, what you just it, said, cost of movies. Yes, yeah, so it is that at one point, movies were cheaper to make, so that kind of return of investment was a lot higher. Whereas if you're spending 200 to 300 million, uh, like on an Avengers movie, you want it to make, you know, hundreds of millions at the very least, if not billions. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. So that those are kind of my fun facts. Cool. Um, um, yeah. I. I Friendly. I do hate to. I'm, I'm oh, just going to okay. add. So I'm going to add as, as a friend. friend I'm as just going to add to your work. show context as yeah. something that I think found interesting. Um, it, so, firstly, Ron Howard uh, discovers Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Well, not discovers, but uh, sees Tom Hanks both in Bosom Buddies and Happy Days, yeah. and that's how he finds him for this role. And he actually originally considered him for John Candy's eventual role. He originally considered him for the brother, uh, but ends up thinking actually he would do better as well, the that's lead. It's more, more like. The characters actually that Tom Hanks goes on to play. So, for some yep. context here, for the, the in terms of the, what setting up the characters for this, mm-hmm. on the one hand, you have the character who Tom Hanks does end up playing, who's kind of the slightly more nebbish, um, uh, proper brother. who's not really a rascal. Who's maybe a little bit funny, but a little bit sarcastic. Quite straight laced. He's a straight yep. guy. And John Candy comes in as this kind of um, alcoholic, like larger than life, larger than life. Larger, like that sort of play. the role we see a lot in the eighties, like the slightly larger guy who drinks a lot but he's also the life of the party and everyone yeah. likes him for that because he's charismatic and whatever yeah, and, that and by is, modern that stand, is closer to a lot of the roles that, that Tom, Tom Hanks plays it. absolutely um, so it's interesting that he does end up playing the lead in this and yeah. it are, I don't think if he had ended up playing John Candy's role it would have catapulted his career no, quite I, as much I, as it does I, I don't think so um, nor do I think the film would have been as good I, I think the film really works with I think John Candy is one of those people who 
comedians mention a lot, um, and I guess directors too. And they'll often be like, oh, you know, this is the day of John Candy's death. He'll be on Twitter or something. And you'll go, I, I can't really remember John Candy in anything I, I particularly like. But actually, when you're seeing him and watching him again in this, you kind of go, oh, wait, he's a Yeah, no, he's really, not, not really to give form. away anything, but he's, he's, he is very good in this film. I, I really enjoyed him. Yeah. But let, shall we yeah, just plow on into this? Film. Yeah. Um, so open, I'll let you take the lead on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this opens in what I assume is like the 50s and 60s. Uh, uh, 1964. Cape Cod. You've got yeah. some sepia tone. They're all on a boat. There's some jazz playing. Everyone's having a good time. A young John Candy has, de- has deceived, not deceived, conceived of an interesting way of uh, viewing women's underwear, which is he walks around with a handful of change. He throws it on the floor when he's next to women, and he'll then go pick it up and look and up girls' skirts. Yeah, it's, it's that's weird. It's weird. It's also not that subtle. I feel like you'd no, notice it. He does it you'd several not- times. Yeah, he does several times. You'd notice it almost immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so. He, uh, we know, for instance, we hope this guy's not our main character of this film. He's yeah. a, bit, a bit disgusting. That, that That's probably actually the bit of the film which has aged le- least well, is I think that's yeah. meant to be kind of cute, like funny yeah. and like kind of charming nowadays. It's like someone yeah. should be picking that kid up and giving him a talking to. Uh, young Tom Hanks is looking over the side of the boat. His parents obviously want to go see, see the kind of Kennedy compound, because uh, I guess Kennedy would be alive in 64. I assume I so. Say so. Um, obviously, Kendi's from that area, uh, and instead he's looking over to water. He sees a shimmer. What should young Tom Hanks do? But jump right in. He doesn't fall in importantly. He no. climbs up and goes wee. Um, uh, not particularly well, I would say. It's it's it's, it's poor form for a dive. Yeah, um, it's, it's, I, I think we give it maybe like a, a four. No, it, you go less. Yeah, I, I go three, a solid three. Well, you know, so, um, so we know from an instant. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not Tom Daly. He's, he's not Tom Daly. Um, so and in the water, everyone's like, "Oh no, this boy is drowning. He might die." But does young Tom Hanks care? No, he does not. <laughs> Why doesn't he, Jamie? Because there's a mermaid Because there. there's a little mermaid there. And she's also like 10. And they're both like, hello. And you're like, oh, wait, they love each other. But they're like five. Yeah. And uh, somehow a guy, not the child's father, uh, but just some other dude, jumps in to save this kid. Yeah. Now, I want to give a round of applause uh, for that man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. selflessly just dies straight down. Also, confusingly, that kind of bay in Cape Cod seems to be really shallow. They're yes. near the bottom of the water yeah. very quickly, despite yeah. there being a big boat next to it. Um, the boy is saved. He's you know, wet, obviously, because he's in the water. <laughs> and You're concluding we way crash too many details. forward right to the 80s. Oh, so no, this is, my f- this is one of my favourite little details of this film. It crashes forward and it says, New York... This morning, yeah, yeah. it doesn't so say New York a specific time. It says New York this morning. Whatever morning you are watching it on, yeah. it is this so morning. So, guys, what we know is <laughs> that the year of our Lord, two thousand and nineteen, New York hasn't changed since the eighties. No. It's a hellscape. Giuliani hasn't come around to clean up the crime yet. Yeah. Um, uh, Tom Hanks works uh, at his father's kind of uh, it's like a down at the docks fish vegetable yeah it's, it's shipping a, sort of thing they kind of they are produce like a wholesale people they're the yeah. guys who get the produce uh, from the suppliers and they will then sell it on to the restaurants and stuff like that um, Tom Hanks seems to be coping well with it uh, he's obviously like a project orientated uh, worker. Uh, but along comes his brother John Candy yep. in a Ferrari yep. he pulls up swerving in <laughs> almost kills a few people hops out and is like look what I got I got a Playboy 
My letter was published in Playboy. Uh, I believe it's Penthouse. There we the go. Penthouse Even letters. The, the classic 80s, 90s jokes about the Penthouse letters. Yes. Uh, and the jokes there within. Um, so he's, he's very proud of that. He wants to show it he off. He shows it to literally everyone. Yep. And we know very quickly that this is that pervert who in his yes. childhood was trying to see women's uh, underwear. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I might not like that scene, but it's it's definitely characterization that holds throughout the movie. Yeah, no, They set him up really early on and you're like, this guy's a pervert and that holds all the way through. Yeah, um, I believe he later does the, the coin trick again in his adulthood, except mm-hmm. now it's the 80s yeah. and everyone has very long dresses yeah. and there's no possible way. He, like, even from what you can see, yeah. there's no possible way he can be seeing anything. Uh-huh. He can just see, like, the inside fabric of this dress. Now he's going around trying to find his brother going, oh, I'm going to show you my Playboy letters. Penthouse. Uh, penthouse letters. Oh, apologies. Uh, <laughs> but Tom Hanks is in the office. He's a little bit forlorn because uh, his girlfriend has dumped him. Yeah, he's had another breakup. Yeah, it's a sad time. She'd been living in the apartment, but while his girlfriend uh, loved him, he wouldn't say, I love you to her. Yep. And you know what? Um, I think this is a fairly good rule of thumb. Um, don't invite someone to live with you if you're <laughs> if you not comfortable say, where I saying you. I love you. Well, I mean, well, don't invite your partner. Yes. You can, you can, you can live yeah, with friends like, without saying I love you. I'm not saying if you're moving in with any friends, you have to day one go, I, I love you. you. <laughs> Look them in the eye, sit them down, pass them over a glass of red wine and be like, I love you, yeah. Jamie. Um, um, so to speed it, they then... End up at a wedding, like a friend's yeah, wedding. Yeah, a friend's um, wedding. Where obviously Tom Hanks is upset and angry. People are asking him, yeah. hey, where's Susie? And he's like, she's ill. Where's Susie? She's ill. Where's Susie? She dumps me, you bastard! She yeah. dumps me! Yeah. Uh, he goes Scottish weirdly in, in that moment. Um, and then they end up drunk after the wedding. Yeah. Uh, at a bar, um, John Candy's character finds two girls. and John Candy's character ha- seems to have that special ability known only to movie characters <laughs> of uh, being disgusting yet irresistible to women in yeah. every way. Um, well, it, it's that thing of, like, he's very confident and charismatic despite his his disgustingness. It's something I haven't quite worked out yet. Um, <laughs> I've got the disgustingness down. Oh, the confidence and the charisma. Oh, they're lacking a little bit. Um, and Tom Hanks gets very drunk. He, again, yeah. does what I would say is similar to drunk acting we've seen to, from him before, which is very good physical acting. He's not slurring a lot. Mm, yeah. He's His physicality is belaying him being much more drunk than, than the words he's saying sure. but I think that's generally something that we see in a lot of films yeah, he gets especially ang- in, this, in this era that, yeah. that's the kind of he gets, like, yeah he gets angry at a couple um, uh, for, I mean, for, they're not even really a couple they're not they're, they're, they're there's a, a date yeah, or like yeah. something this guy is basically saying do you want to go back to my place this woman who doesn't really seem that keen on it no. and Tom Hanks is like love is dead yeah um, so, so he, he says to John Candy yeah. that he's going to Cape Cod. Cape Cod. He's just going to go to Cape Cod. And John Candy's character's like, fine, have you got money? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, cool. Because apparently that's how this relationship oh, yeah. works also, between them. To throw it out here, Cape Cod, uh, for our British listeners, is in another state. Yeah, it's, uh, it's about not it's nearby. Three, as, as we discover when he goes and gets in a cab, he says, take me to Cape Cod. And the guy goes, that's 300 miles away. Yeah. And he goes, I've got money. And apparently this cabbie is totally fine with driving 300 miles. Despite the fact he's going to, no matter how much it costs, he's going to have to drive you? back. You have to drive There's back. No, he's that's not going to catch someone in Cape Cod who happens to be going back to New York. sleep at some point. Yeah. He gets to Cape Cod by the morning, again, which, considering this seems to be at like 
two there in the bar is pretty quick to go 300 yeah. miles. Um, so let's say the cabbie was flooring it, whatever, gets yeah. to Cape Cod, pulls out on the beach, is in his uh, tuxedo, yeah. He's, he wants to go out to this island. Yeah. And this is where we meet Eugene Leviticus's character. Yes. Um, first thing I wanted to say is obviously I know uh, him from American Pie, latterly, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, seminal, you know, f- formational movie in my, in my childhood of, and many people my age. He sounds way, way different. Like, we're watching Tom Hanks yeah. at the same time, who sounds pretty similar to how he sounds today. Yeah, Eugene a... Levy, like, is, like, way higher pitched, like, way more, like, back-in-the-throat voice. Yeah. It's a weird voice he's got. I can see why he's got this role. He's got the perfect role uh, voice for it. It's mm-hmm. almost like a... Um, and I can't remember which Toy Story character is. it is, but that has that really, like, sm- whiny sweet... voice. Oh, no, not, not the... No, he is a deep voice, not Mr. Squeaker. Um, um, I want to say... Oh, I can't remember. But yeah, it's this... Oh, Rex. Rex, yeah, yeah. He sounds like that sort of voice. It sounds comical, so yeah. you can see why he's got this. He's playing a scientist who is looking for... Basically, what I think is this... The Obviously, in the UK, we have the looking for um, Nessie, that classic scientist yeah, yeah. looking, but they don't really have that in America, so he's just looking for, for mermaids. mermaids. Yeah, I mean, apparently. I, guess, I guess you sort of have Sasquatch, sort of. It's not, yeah. it's not really like there's one thing in the yeah. same way. So he's looking for mermaids. Um, you don't know why at this point. It's a little no, bit confusing. No, he's got some weird henchmen henchmen helping him out yeah he um, seems to be a scientist uh, yeah. Tom Hanks goes can you take me out to the thing he's like do I look like a boat salesman no go talk to Greg so Tom Hanks goes talk to Greg uh, kind of putters out a wee bit but oh no and falls into the ocean um, yeah and ends up washed up yeah. on, an, on an island still in his tuxedo very wet. and here's where he sees a naked woman. Yeah. Just just the naked woman. Just kind of sees her. He's mm. like, oh, she's she's pretty and naked. Mm. And then they kiss. Yeah. They just kind of kiss and out again, of nowhere. They so don't really say anything. This is why, especially for me, uh, learning this film was published by a Disney company was kind of shocking because she's straight butt naked. Yeah, like, she's butt naked. Now, we should say... Of course, she is using her hair to cover her nipples. So there's sure. no actual nudity here. We don't see... Other, well, there is we actual nudity. Butt, yeah. But we, we, is... see, we see her butt, but we don't see anything of on the front other than, like, midriff. Yeah, so you'll, you'll see kind of mid-shots. Uh, not for this to turn into one of those podcasts where they talk about where women are naked in films. No, but, but like, she, yeah. So she's yeah, definitely, like... It's, 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 a, it's a Disney naked. If you're going to have a naked, it's a Disney naked. They give naked. us a scientifically accurate portrayal of what a mermaid would be like. <laughs> uh, why would they need clams for their breasts? That makes no sense in their culture, of course. Yeah, so they just kiss out of nowhere. It makes sure. no sense. And then she dives into the sea mm-hmm. and he's like, no, come back. Oh, sad yeah. times. Um, I then can't remember. How does he get back? Um, I think he gets rescued. Um, or oh, he's kind of somewhere up, up the thing. He goes back down, whatever. He goes back home. He's kind of depressed. He really misses his mermaid girl. But what's a man to do? Oh, it, and uh, we should also say at this point, Eugene Levy sees the mermaid at this point. When mm. she's swimming back underground as a mermaid, he sees her, he tries to take a picture of her, but he fumbles it. Uh, and this is this starts his obsession okay. with proving the mermaid. Yeah. Uh, smash cut to Ellis Island, the Statue of Liberty. Yes, the most ridiculous scene in this entire film. Yeah. Um, so she, oh, she finds his wallet. Yes. 
um, which he dro- has dropped when he's uh, fallen out the boat. So she goes to New York to try and find him, and she arrives on Ellis Island, obviously still still Very naked, naked. And apparently, this is the most amazing thing to yeah. happen to every single person. A literal frenzy has started. Yeah. People are trying to get a picture People with her. People are angry about it. People are it. angry about it. Some people are very about. excited about it. It is the most monumental thing to ever happen. She gets arrested. Um, Again, bold. Um, yeah, just I guess I guess nudity would have been naked at the time. I guess I don't know. Is nudity still naked? Where can you? Is nudity naked? It's nudity still illegal. Sorry, would have nudity. <laughs> Would nudity have been illegal at the time? I mean, you see, yes. I mean, yes, I don't, uh, I don't know how it works. Yeah, yeah I, I think being topless is fine, but being... Yeah, probably probably like, full no clothes would, would at least get you a yeah. questioning. You'd be pulled um, in, they'd be like, hey, do you yeah. need some clothes? Are you an yeah. extinction um, uh, protester? So as is clear at this point, she cannot speak English. That's yeah. why she just kissed uh, Tom Hanks without saying anything. So they find his wallet. They call in Tom. Um, he goes in and he, he kisses so her again. Start making out. Yeah, he kisses her again. Let me tell you, from this point on, the movie is about one third them having sex. Yeah, pretty Give much. They are either pre or post coitus. Yeah, or mid coitus. So, so again, they have not spoken. He goes yep. home with her. They have sex. Yeah. Again, they have not spoken at this point. No. She cannot speak English. Yeah. Um, and then he leaves her a bit. He's like going. He's literally doing the zippity doo da zippity day. Made her food and stuff, and then he's like, I'm off to work. You can't speak English. We've just fucked. Who cares? I'm off to work. He also makes the rogue choice of not locking the door. Nope. Which, uh, let me tell you, if you've got a non-English speaking woman completely naked in your house, who can't... uh, Not even non-English speaking. Non-speaking. You know what? One, seems a bit like kidnapping... Uh, but two, if you wanted to stay, uh, maybe you don't know, use the locks. Uh, just because he's only gone for like a couple of hours. Yeah. Which, because this is, he probably picks her up around like 11, 12. And this is like three. So he needs to go finish up his work day. A couple of hours, give me back. Yeah. He's not kidnapping her, but he should probably put some safety precautions in there. Yeah. Um, um, she ends up escaping. She yeah. sees a Bloomingdale's advert Blooms. on. Uh, and so in the first sort of nonsensical thing uh-huh, of this. Uh-huh. She has not spoken yet, but she has seen them saying Bloomingdale's on the TV. So she goes downstairs. We should say at this point, no longer naked. She has yeah, put on yeah. some of uh, Tom Hanks's clothes. She um, and she's looking fly. Oh, she is it looking good. It is a great good. outfit. I want um, you to think kind of Tessa Thompson. I want you to think, you know, when uh, that, that kind of very great look of uh, when women go to the, the award ceremonies and they go in the slightly oversized suits, but with the skinny ties, it is great. Yeah, it is a solid look. look. Um, she um, goes downstairs to the concierge, and at this point, she is somehow able to say Bloomingdale's. Bloomingdale's. It's the only word she can say, but yeah. she says Bloomingdale's. Now, again, this makes no sense. It's not been established that she can make noise, like she yes. can make human sounds, but she doesn't know English. She has been, up until this point, not able to make sounds, but suddenly she is able to replicate a sound she's seen on the TV. Makes no sense, but whatever. She goes to Bloomingdale's. She has fun looking around Bloomingdale's. It's a nice, fun sequence. She ends up staring at a TV for about eight hours, I think they end up saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she does some uh, jazz aerobics. Yep, she does some jazz aerobics. Um, Tom Hanks- also, we're also missing uh, one of the weirdest lines where um, someone... 
uh, obviously when kind of showing her what close to buy uh, makes like a hardcore anorexia joke which was slightly weird she's like uh, oh my daughter is as skinny as you but uh, she's anorexic lucky bitch Some, something to that equivalent yeah. it's a bit weird yeah it's an odd line um, um, again, Tom Hanks one uh, of the only two bits in the film which feel very dated like yes. that and the opening bit yeah dated, um Tom Hanks uh, ends up coming back, finds he's not there, goes to the concierge, says he went to Bl- she went to Bloomingdale's. Uh, he arrives at Bloomingdale's, finds her. He says to the se- security guard, oh, sorry, don't worry about her. She doesn't speak English. And then she goes, hi, Alan, how are you? She has learned the entirety of the English language from watching a fucking Bloomingdale's TV for eight hours. It is hardcore. And you know what? Uh, it made me feel a bit like an underachiever. Uh, I watch eight hours. What have, yeah, what have you done in eight hours? Um, yeah, so she can speak English. Now he goes, what's your name? She goes. Ah! Yeah, like it's like it's supposed to be like Blast a dolphin, dolphin sound, I guess. The human eardrum explodes. Yeah. Blood is pouring from everyone's um, eyes from the sound. And so they end up calling her Madison, Madison as in Madison Avenue. Yes. And they say a line which is. Madison, that's not a name. That's not a name at that time. So really? Is Madison you know, that recent of a name? Uh, there's some stats on this. Uh, I think in like 1980, like it was the 216th most popular name. So not not very many people called their kid it. In uh, the years following, it became one of the most popular. Yeah, names. no, I know, I know multiple Madisons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, the argument goes, I, I wouldn't be super surprised. This was sort of the pivot thing which made it a name. In the same way, people, uh, you know. Decide to call the child Daenerys. Yeah, or Aria, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but much better because it's a real name. Yeah, uh, not that yeah, Daenerys uh, yeah. It was it was weird that they were like uh, that felt jarring to me. They were like, "That's not a name." We're like, "Wait, yeah." yeah so yeah, that, so that's that's a weird joke coming to it from nowadays. Yeah, um, um, so talk- I think yeah. She says at that point that she'll be uh, in New York for six quote six fun filled days uh-huh. uh, until the moon is full. Now it is never established why. Yeah. Why this is the case. It doesn't make much sense. Moons are generally related to like werewolves, not mermaids. Uh, but you know Let me tell you something, Jamie, uh about the tides. You see, <laughs> tides are controlled by the moon. Yes, they if also- there's no moon, there's no tide. And therefore, she as a creature of the sea where the tide is is also affected by the moon. Okay. That's the scientific explanation. Good to know. Um, so over the next few scenes, they basically just kind of fall in love. It's they're just like having fun together, whatever. Um, but eventually, it becomes this thing of like she has a secret and she won't tell him. Yeah, and he eventually he seems to think that she's either an illegal immigrant uh, or has like jumped off a sea cruiser oh there's a super weird scene where she's in a bath uh, and obviously oh, because it, yeah. she's in a bath she's got her mermaid mm. legs um, and, and Tom Hanks' mermaid character mermaid legs tail what, Jamie what a, tail what, what does a mermaid have a mermaid has a tail and let me give you a fun bit of uh, context here actually that tail weighed about 35 pounds so when she had it on she couldn't actually kind of walk about she couldn't <laughs> go to the bathroom they couldn't really feed her she, so she either had to stay in the they water they couldn't feed no, because she couldn't go to the bathroom and she'd be stuck in it all day. So either they were just like, get a crane to pick her up and dump her somewhere on the soundstage, or she'd be more comfortable they just left her in the water. Okay. Um, but yeah, so she's got her mermaid tail. Thanks for that diversion yeah, there. We're, uh, we're not, not glad you uh, didn't not trying to power through this, Jamie. Not trying to power through this plot at all. Um, 
Uh, so she's got a mermaid tail and Tom Hanks' character like knocks and is like, hey, is everything okay? And she's basically just like, yeah, everything's fine. I'm uh-huh. cool. Uh-huh. And then Tom Hanks gets weirdly aggressive and is like, wait, no, something must be wrong. What's wrong? Well, she's desperately trying to dry her legs. And and he hears her... Fall out. Fall out, right? So he's worried that she's hurt herself. But but she's saying she's fine, Tom. And he's like getting... she doesn't sound fine. Open this door. She doesn't sound fine. (laughs) I'm okay. (laughs) I'm okay. (laughs) That doesn't sound good, does it, Jamie? It's not quite that. if you were upstairs and I had a big... And I'm like, are you okay? And you're like... Yeah, I'm fine. I would break down that door to no, save you. No, you would And I'd be like, why the fuck are you breaking down this door? You just knew I was in the fucking bath. Give me some privacy, you dick. That doesn't sound very friendly, does it, uh, Jamie? No, I was playing the character in a hypothetical oh, okay. situation. Uh, there we go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's a weird scene. But we basically get to a point where uh, Tom Hanks proposes to her. Right. Um yeah, yeah, yeah right. it's rogue. They've known each other for what min- yeah. less than six days. I'm we know that. Give Tom Hanks the same advice I give to everyone. If you want to marry someone after day six, that's great. Live together for two or three years <laughs> and marry them. Then you, yeah. you love them. So and same his, then his thing is like, oh, we'll get married and then you won't have to go away. Um, and she says no, and he gets very angry. They yeah. they are ice skating at the time, I believe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so not not great. Um, he gets very very angry about it. Uh, they eventually reconcile. I can't remember how. She agrees. She realizes, like, oh yeah, no, actually, um, I'll I'll marry you because I actually love you. It's like also that. in the in the meantime. It's both that and also that she won't tell him how he's there. So, like, the frustration has been building throughout this anyway because uh, he's kind of interested. He wants to know where she come from. He wants to figure that out. She won't tell him. And then also the marriage thing. He's like, look, I'm clearly madly in love with you, but I feel like I'm getting played again. It's the first time. Importantly, he, he early in the film... Can't say I love you to another yeah, girlfriend. But he can to her. He can to her, and then she's kind of he thinks turned her down, therefore he reacts to this bad like not like violently badly, but just like I mean, I'm running away. Badly. I mean, yeah, he's 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 not he's angry. He, he doesn't do great. Uh but then she agrees to marry him, but she says, Oh, but I can't marry you until I tell you our secret. There's then this weird plot point that they need to get a blood test to get married. Yes. Which that I didn't know is a that thing. Is a thing at the time. Okay, apparently that's a thing. Um, but while they're planning the marriage is when a series of... Uh, a running joke starts of uh, Eugene Levy's character. He saw is tr- a, has seen her underwater. So, yeah, seen her in the New York Post yeah. and then wants to try and catch her and spray her with water to prove she's a mermaid. Yeah. As it turns out, uh, for this kind of B-plot, uh, Eugene Levy uh, was once a budding young zoologist... Uh, his tutor, he kind of went to college age 12. His tutor would kind of you know, try and cheer him up because he was a bit isolated by telling him stories about mermaids. Thus, he wants to prove the existence of mermaids. So he goes on an increasingly uh, madcap series of adventures of just grabbing hoses and trying to spray yes. people with hoses. Um, yeah, multiple times spraying the wrong people. The One, same wrong people. The same wrong people who kind of look like them. He weird, just sprays them, never looks, never looks like, am I about, like, it's one time in an elevator, mm-hmm. just like opens doors on an elevator, just sprays them, yeah. then pulls out his camera and then realises the wrong person. No. It's kind of funny. It's, it's a good. good. Um, um, we then end up at uh, presidential a presidential bank. banquet. So for some context here, um, earlier in the film, towards the beginning, uh, John Candy uh, gets some business for the company they run, 
by lying to a big restaurant vendor, I think, and saying that his brother was a Vietnam veteran. And because the uh, restaurant vendor had served in Korea or something, he's like, great, we'll work with you. And uh, as part of this, he's, I think he knows someone running for senator or whatever. Um, so has a couple tickets to this uh, senatorial thing where the president is coming to speak to um, Boost for the yeah. member. So um, they have a couple tickets. Yeah, interesting. They go with the... Uh, there's there's two ways you can go with a, when you're playing a president uh, in your movie. You either go someone who's going to try and evoke the president that's currently yeah. in, or you go like the Independence Day route, which is we're just going to cast a random actor and he's going to be the president in our universe. Yeah. They go for that one. Um, he's a fi- He looks like a fine man. Yeah, I don't know. You know. I'm sure I would have disliked his policies, but maybe respected him personally. <laughs> um, so we end up at the presidential banquet and and uh, again, Eugene Levy's character yeah. uh, breaks in there. He tries to dress as an usher, sure. but he has his like big water tank underneath his backpack, yeah. underneath his uh, also, jacket. Like, broken his leg by this point yeah, yeah. as well. Um, so, and then when he tries to go, he spots her. He tries to go and shoot her with the the water cannon. It looks but like a gun. It looks like a gun. So everyone tackles him and takes him out. Um, at that point, uh, Tom Hanks and, and the woman leave. Flee. They well, they leave, they yeah, leave, they, leave. they leave. They leave. They don't seem to be aware of his danger at the moment. No, no, they no, so they leave, and she's like, no, "It's time for me to tell you." They get outside right as, and this is all oh, my favorite scene in the film. Eugene Levy's character is getting tackled and yeah. about to be taken away, and then he. Uh, Tom Hanks like spots him and goes, "Hey, I know that guy. Oh, I thought he was crazy when I saw him on the beach." Um, and then Eugene Levy is like being yeah. tackled to the ground, spots the mermaid and goes, "No, I'm gonna do it." And we go into a slow mo, which goes for way too yeah. long, and like is spraying her water. for I want to say a solid ten seconds yeah. in this slow mo, like cutting from the water to, to him, him to, to Tom to her to like, and suddenly she has a tail. Yeah. She what? Has, she has a tail. Everyone crowds her. Um, she is, is vindicated. Yes, she is screaming for Tom Hanks's help. He does nothing. But he's he, quite shocked. Sure. Okay, fine. He's a bit shocked. If tomorrow Alyssa shows up with a tail, I am really, really confused. Yeah, I'm sure. But she is being I mobbed, is so and he has said he has loved this woman, and she, so and she and she is going, Alan, help me, help me, please. And he's going, What are you doing? Help her! She he waves. said he loves her. What he can't pick her up. He can't <laughs> run off. Of he can do something. So then he go. She gets taken in for testing. So By the government. The government has taken her. Yeah. Uh, this is. Let's be real here. And I want to take a second just to chat about this. Please, but, just um, a second. Sure. Uh, tomorrow we find out mermaids are real. Yeah. This changes all of society as we know it. Yeah. Mermaids are real. What else is real? Yeah. Is the abominable snowman real? Is the Loch Ness monster real? I want to see a film which is set 20 years afterwards where society's been so changed by this. There are loads of people just huntedly pursuing these, like, mythical creatures. Uh, and that was an owl second. Thank you. Um, so she's, she's getting tested on. We then basically have two plot points at this point. Her getting tested on uh, and Tom Hanks coming to the realisation that he actually loves her. Now, we have at this point the realisation that John Candy's character is the best person in this film. Yeah. She, he protects uh, Tom Hanks. He's being surrounded by um, news reporters. There's a little joke thrown in of saying, oh, any of you from Hustler? No one says anything. Then we're not talking. So he protects his brother like that. He takes him back. He has a chat with him because Tom Hanks is like, oh, I don't know. I'm just so confused. And he's like, dude, you were so happy with her. Who gives a goddamn who she is? You were happy with her. You should be with her. 
which, you know, he's the most logical and and sound-thinking character in this film, despite his uh, sex pestery earlier in the film. You look like you're trying to disagree with me. I mean, look, this raises the, the, the real question. Uh, what if Tom Hanks, like his brother, is a sex pest, and he's like, can I have sex with a mermaid? <laughs> and that raises some real questions here. Uh, how do mermaids breed in this universe? Uh, do they just spawn from rocks? I don't even know. Well, I assume he only has sex with her in her human form. Yeah, but it's when... Okay, no, you know, towards the end of the film. Okay, well, we'll get to that. Um, so, yeah, we have that plot point. In the science plot point, um, they're, like, testing on her and whatever, and you and she's like, to be fair, decaying, yeah. she's decaying, and it's good work by the costume department. Yeah. She looks really good. Oh, in, gen- like, in general, like, the prosthetic here is yeah. great. This is actually a thing I just wanted to say in general about this movie as we get uh, deep into it, but closer to our general thoughts. It's the first thing we've watched that's been, like, actually well-made. Yeah, like, we've watched really sitcoms and bad films. It's been a well-made film. Yeah. It's, like, well-paced, well-acted, well-written. And it's like an actual film with care put into it, yeah. which is is nice. Um, now, yeah, so in that, then Eugene Levy's character is like, hey, guys, like, I didn't want this. Like, this is kind of messed up. Let me think about this. And then the people above him, in my favourite line, I've probably said my favourite line a couple of times, but my favourite line in this film, when the, the scientist reacts badly to him and says, go on, why don't you find a unicorn? And I'm like... This dude found a mermaid. Why are you belittling him? Like, oh, why didn't you go find a fantastical creature? Dude, this dude found a mermaid. Like, no, yeah. respect him. No, exactly. <laughs> but also, this now means that everything is possibly real. Yeah, exactly. Why is he like, go find a unicorn, yeah. you idiot? But Maybe yeah, he so will find a unicorn. Eugene his character like- agrees to, comes back, agrees to help. Uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, oh no no no! Okay, got a, so Tom Hanks tortures this man. Yes. He grabs Novocaine, stabs him in the arm with some Novocaine, and then as he has a broken leg anyway, has also been badly attacked. I think he's lost a couple of teeth. He stabs him with Novocaine and proceeds to like interrogate him. That's full on torture. But okay, love conquers all. Why like not? I said, he agrees to help him um, and John Candy, and they. Uh, uh, like infiltrate in they yeah, sneak it, her out John Candy stays sure. in the um, the tank Fishing. area it's yeah it's, 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 a, really it's a fun nice. scene where they uh, they come in to find her and it's just John Candy fishing in where her tank was like smoking a cigar it's fun um, they drive her away they long story short it's like a police chase oh yeah great police um, it's, great, police it, it's a fun police chase they uh, end up at like a port yeah, or like yeah. a and they're about to be... There are t- police helicopters. This is yes. apparently is how high security yeah. this is. Police helicopters have been brought in. Yeah. The SWAT team is coming. Multiple cars. Yeah. Think the end of the Blues Brothers. Yeah. And it's getting more and um, more comically obscene. Uh, and she's like, no, you have to leave me. I need to run yeah. away. She jumps away. Uh, and then the police come in. And he's like, no, I'm going to go after you. Despite the fact, as was established earlier in this film, he cannot swim. Um, yes, but um, it is also earlier established in the film that, although just then I think she goes, like when you were a kid. Oh, they, they, oh they, yeah, this is the other thing. He does not put two and two together that well, he has not time. met two mermaids, yeah. that they're the same mermaid yes. that he hasn't happened I to mean, meet he, two he mermaids. He does at the very end, and he kind of uh, he realizes, she tells him that, look, he could come and live with her. Uh, and, you know, because of her magical powers, it would extend that he would be able to breathe underwater. Uh, but. He wouldn't. They would not be able to come back on that. It could only yeah. work one way. So he's like, "Great, I can go see my brother, my brother on Christmas." And she's like, "No, no, no. It's either you come with me or that's it." Yeah. 
Yeah, it does make a lot of sense, but it's fine. Well, yeah, it's, it's a big ultimatum for someone to yeah. give. Um, but so she jumps, and then he jumps. Uh, again, terrible form on the dive. Nice, nice continuity in character then. Just like a child in adulthood, he cannot dive for shit. Um, they then have scuba divers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scuba diver police, which, where the fuck did they get scuba diver police from? Um, and, like, there's a slow motion underwater fight. Tom Hanks bites a dude in the leg. Which is impressive. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. There's and then a lot of, like, karate they, like, kicking with they, his uh, mermaid leg. Yep, yeah, um, they, um, and then they essentially escape. Um, and then the, the final scene is they see, a, like, an underwater metropolis, which is kind of weird. Um, and then that's the end of the film. Yeah. Um, that so was we've, Splash. Yes, we, that was Splash. We have in detail gone through it. It's a um, good plot, though. That's my, that's my thing. I think, whereas an episode of uh, Bosom Buddies... The average plot was not really worth going through. Yeah. I do think the plot of this film is really... So to go on to what we think yeah. about the film. Yeah, yeah, Obviously, this gets nominated for uh, Best Screenplay um, at the Oscars. And I Does think... it? Do, well, it's a different time, during Different time. <laughs> but actually, I think it's a pretty fun screenplay. It is really funny. Some really good jokes in there. Um, obviously, bolstered by great comic performances. But it's an original idea. It's not like... Adult, adult, but it's like a PG thirteen, mm-hmm. like fifteen, uh, be like a twelve A here, fifteen, because um, of all those near, near nudies, um, <laughs> and you know, I, I think it really holds up. Surprisingly, I think Tom Hanks is great. You can see, you, like you were saying earlier, right? You can see why this launches his career because he does have that, especially in this more so than his earlier stuff, a brilliant everyman thing. He's really uh, good at being. Yeah, and what I what I really saw in this, which I hadn't seen in a lot of other ones, is a lot. Of, if you've ever seen Colin Hanks' son in anything, there's a lot of because obviously Colin Hanks now is about the age Tom Hanks was uh, when this was coming out, and you see so much of similar characteristics in yeah. that, as you say, sort of every man like likable, but like yeah. Um, so should we uh, move on to our scores? Um, you can give it your, your final thoughts sure. and then rate this uh, film out of five. Sure. Uh, so some final thoughts. Um, overall, you know, as long, long-term listeners of the show will know, from the very beginning, I've been really hopeful about this. Right? Yeah. Like, every actor, I think, uh, and you're an actor, obviously, yourself, um, you do a lot of crap until hopefully you get that one big break. You yeah. get the one time where... Uh, it really everything starts pulling together you start forming this kind of persona which is easily you can say well look I've done this so can I get another project so, you know, I, similar kind of project type stuff and Tom Hanks with this film catches on something that will run through pretty much everything he does afterwards from this to uh, say Brett Ryan to Toy Story even which is this kind of reliable good guy everyman thing and which is easily taken from one film to another and works fantastically mm-hmm it has the character still has that dickishness we talk about, but it's yep. not very much, right? It's, it's comical. He's a bit of a square that kind of plays up to it. He likes the rules, all that kind of stuff. Uh, really good script, really good direction, amazing prosthetics. So yeah, I like this film. Honestly, I give this film like a. I, I don't give halves, do I? <laughs> I love that you are just sticking a to four, this because you four. said yeah, yeah, you'll give it a four. four. Um, okay, so uh, uh, I do have some final thoughts about this film, and sure. they are they are threefold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will say that I have more or less been concealing my real thoughts about this film up until this moment uh, for this exact reason. Now, my first point, uh, and it's a controversial point, 
but uh, rom-coms are not good films. Oh my um, fucking Now, God. wait, no. You let, started this episode let, saying it was going to be friendly. Yeah, which and you, you do not have to get out of these are my opinions. So, I will say, I will say why Al is quite literally walking away right now. So, I will uh, say my reasoning for this. My first reasoning is that I feel like uh, either aspect of it... Uh, detrimentally affects the other. So I think the romance in rom-coms is often trite and silly because it has to suffice the comedic aspects of it. And I think the comedy is not that funny because it is either written by people who aren't comedy writers or comedy writers who don't want to be writing this because they don't want to be writing a rom-com. They would rather be writing a full-on comedy. Um... So I think rom-coms are not good films because I think they detrimentally affect each other half. There are two exceptions to this, uh, and that is Love Actually and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Love Actually because they have romantic plot lines and comedic plot lines, and so that allows them to focus on each part, and so each part doesn't detrimentally affect the other part. Uh, and Forgetting Sarah Marshall because Jason Siegel is a genius, uh, and also because he realised that to make a good rom-com, you have to write a comedy... That has that it just happens to be about romance, not a romance film, and throw some jokes in. Second point. <laughs> you guys do not know how much anger Al is in right now. Friendly, friendly, friendly. <laughs> um, second point. Um, so as you uh, referenced earlier, um, we both watched uh, The Shining this weekend. Whiskey's bad. Yeah, Al went away and I wasn't going to mention it if he wasn't going to. But yeah, Al went away and drunk whiskey. That's how angry he is at this. Um, So we both uh, watched uh, The Shining uh, this uh, weekend together. Now, of course, it would be unfair to to compare this film to what many consider to be one of the greatest films ever made. But I'm going to do it anyway. Um, So but it's just in the very context that you take when you're watching a film like The Shining, which is so good, so well made, so well paced, so many interesting motifs, so many fantastic performances. It makes something like this, which I'm not saying is bad, but I am saying is mediocre. When you compare it, when you're having to directly experience one and then the other in short uh, succession, uh, it really makes mediocrity angry. It makes you angry at mediocrity because you're just you're comparing it to something that is just got so much passion put into it uh and my third point uh is that a colleague of mine thank you for coming back and joining me al um a colleague of mine uh, at work has been uh talking about this to me we were talking about the podcast and she said oh have you reviewed splash yet and i said no we're doing it soon um and she said i really hope you do um i'll I'll be excited to listen to it uh because it's one of my favorite films um and I do hope she is listening uh, because she, I want her to be able to hear that she is wrong. It, it, this is the weirdest goddamn film to have as one of your favourite films. So I really hope that she is listening so that she can hear me say that this film is fucking one out of five. Fuck this film. It's a dumb film. Rom-coms are bad. Al, you may respond now. Okay. Um, you know, there was a period of time 
when like 14 year old boys would go around and would answer the question what's the best film of all time with Fight Club mm-hmm. uh, that's that level of opinion <laughs> um, I'm not I don't we're running long anyway, I think. I'm not sure I have the time to <laughs> write an essay, and I will write an essay for the next time we do this about how many different ways you are wrong, and I would, like, incredible. It's so freaking. It's just. It's just. It's just. It's. You're gonna be screwed. Because guess how many rom coms Tom Hanks does a lot of. I know. He does a I lot. Know. He does a lot of rom coms. And if you I know, here I'm so excited. That rom coms are trash. I'm sorry. At the beginning of this, you sat down and you read a thing about friendship and happiness and rainbows, and you told me it'll all be okay. Al. That that I provoked the anger. That I was the one who provoked the anger. And then you come along with your two favorite rom, the two best rom coms apparently to you. Beginning so Marshall, whatever. A good rom com, sure. Give it a four. Absolutely fine. Love Actually, which is great in spite of itself, which is objectively a zero and a five at the same time, and those examples of, oh, here are the things that break the method, those two films, I am really, really excited for Sleepless in Seattle with you, my friend, because we're going to go deep into the rom-coms. Let me tell you, this is the start of Tom Hanks, the romantic lead, and it is so fucking great. And let me tell you what, rom-coms are fantastic. Why are they fantastic? They want the few genres of films targeted to an audience largely of women and they play out like that their comedy isn't necessarily the broadest in the sense but it is fun they tell interesting stories they give good op- opportunities to uh, female actresses and female leads in times when they weren't otherwise given great opportunities you know what Tom Hanks is brilliant in this film Daryl Hannah who's also in Blade Runner those are the two extremes of her career Blade Runner and Fish Movie is fantastic and you are telling me this is a one my friend and you come out here with your olive branch and then you stick it right up my ass. that's what you're doing right here I'll tell you what you come out with the single worst take I have heard anyone give ever I was less I, I was less angry the day Donald Trump was elected I was less angry the day Brexit happened than you coming out here telling me rom-coms are trash apart from love actually and forgetting Sarah Marshall let's go on to the dick meter Jamie because Tom Hanks here he's a one but you you're a five you're a five on the dick meter and let me skip way ahead this is going in the Hanks bank We're when aliens come from space, when they come down from the moon, and they say, why is humanity worth saying? I will say, here is imagination, here is joy, here is the limitless expanse of the human soul, and you'll go, ah, happy days. <laughs> and you know what? I will die. And I will say that Splash is a pretty good movie. Well, I've lost my voice now. Okay, so while you're recovering your voice, I'd like to make uh, two points. Uh, firstly, that was fun. Well, no, okay, I'd like to make three points. Firstly, that was fun. Um, secondly, I don't like the characterization that I'm a misogynist for not liking this movie. That seemed a bit unnecessary. <laughs> and third, you know what? In all honesty, I would have probably given it a three. I just, A, my coworker, and B, I knew you would get this irate about giving it a one. <laughs> So, so, what, so, um, 
So, so to recap, you have given the, uh, the film four, you've given Tom Hanks' Dick Meter uh, a one, and you've put this in your Hanks bank. Thanks for ruining all the build-up to that, but I felt like we knew that was coming anyway. Um, I would also like your Tom Hanks rating out of five. Five! Okay. Um, so uh, I'll give my... I'll quickly run through my uh, ratings. Uh, I'll give Tom Hanks a three. Uh, I think he is, at this point in his career, not fully suited to being a rom-com lead. I'm sure that later in his career he does get better at it. I think at this point uh, he's not fantastic at it. He does a perfectly decent performance. I think he's uh, still got some way to go specifically in this kind of role. Um, uh, on the top hand stick meter, I'm giving him a four. I would like to remind you that I would like to remind you that he does nothing to help this woman when she is literally in her weakest possible moment he's just like oh i don't know what to do and also earlier in the film he's clearly been a dick to every one of his girlfriends up until this point so one good relationship does not make a good boyfriend um and of course this is not going in my hanks bank because of course um now uh what i would like to say is of course i have I would like to refer back to, to my letter earlier. I don't have it in front of me, but I said something along the words of heightening and emotions for comedic effect as much as I have done for my opinion on this case. <laughs> so I am excited to go through the rom-com period oh, yeah. with Tom yeah. Hanks to see if my opinion can be changed of rom-coms. Or my opinion that I don't, like, I, I kind of hold it's just been exaggerated for comedic effect. My anger is simultaneously exaggerated for comedic effect <laughs> and precise no, level. No, I was going to say, this is, this is exactly right. None great. of this is valid. Rom comes are fantastic. And let me introduce you to someone called Nora Ephron in about five to eight weeks. Right, it's going to be fantastic. Um, right, I need to go do some <laughs> yoga or Pilates or I don't know, find a punching bag or take some Valium. Um, <laughs> let's play some uh, forward hand Tom No, why? Point. You've already said it's too long and you're not enjoying yourself. That's true. Why right, don't we just... Uh, uh, I'll, oh, I think so I think we've had enough next week. So many, so many apology, apology letters. letters. I feel like we've had a very fun episode <laughs> for yeah. me. For me, at least. I was not expecting your garbage <laughs> take, your hot garbage <laughs> takes, Jamie. It's like you came along and you took a shit on the microphone. <laughs> Um, so let's I think with that we do have to wrap it up um, so as always you can uh, follow us on Twitter at HanksBankPod you can through that find mine and Al's Twitter uh, please rate review us like us whatever on iTunes all the fun things try and get us out there yep. so that more people can hear my garbage garbage takes find your friends phones and uh, <laughs> make sure you subscribe to us on their phones and then also make sure you leave a note saying one uh, to do one listen to Hank's Bank uh, two remember Jamie's takes are trash and um, I don't believe that you know I, I think we need to end this guys with a symbolic symbol of peace uh, and that is of course the handshake which is the best of all the radio <laughs> uh, gestures um, you can hear our hands waving yeah. in <laughs> peace and um, harmony now um, and finally uh, obviously last week we had uh, a little bit of uh, trouble finding our um, sign off Sure. Um, so I, I, yes. Yeah. Uh, so I believe I have come up with what 
will and should be our sign-off. It, uh, you're, I'm sure. being fully serious about this. Okay. I think it's a good sign-off. However, so if this does remain our sign-off, it will be the last thing said in every episode subsequently from sure. this. However, for this one episode, I will allow me to say the sign-off and then you just to have an immediate reaction to it. Sure. Whether that no be a word, that. a sound, just, just an exclamation of joy, sure. Sure. whatever you want it sure. to be, and that is how we will end the episode. So... Uh, with that from uh, from me, Jamie, and my co-host Al, that's one more ep in the bank. Rom-coms are the best genre in movies! Hank's back.